Amen. Amen. Thank God for the Bible reading. Um, so, surprisingly enough, even from the scripture Brocosmos um, read this morning, or rather the lines he told from his scripture reading, it touches upon what I want us to discuss today in church. Um, specifically when he read Psalm 16, right, when he said, um, you know, trying to understand why the psalmist was joyful coming before God. Um, and he said there, that's, I, I want to read it again to us, that's Psalm 16, verse 11. In fact, inside of that psalm, there are actually some prophecies regarding Jesus there. Right, but let's look at verse 11. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. Now, if you understand the English grammar, every time you see a colon, it's trying to expand upon the thoughts that came before, sort of like to, to explain what was happening behind. So it says, You will show me the path of life. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. It means that the fullness of joy is found by knowing the path of life right and at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore so in knowing the path of life you both find joy and you will also find pleasures so the easiest way to understand it is or I guess the question you want to ask is what then is the path of life right remember the scriptures brought Frank read Christ came, died, rose again, and he calls every man. God through him is calling men to repent. Why? Because in him is the light, and the light shined in darkness. So in Christ dwells the spirit of life. Right? So which means the path of life is embodied by Christ. It only says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father by me so in Christ is that path of life so which means in Christ we'll both find pleasures and we'll find fullness of joy right not without the troubles in the world because Christ has told you there will be troubles in this world but he says in spite of the troubles in the world you will find rest in me be of good cheer those were his words right so this morning well, okay, I think the meeting already started actually from the opening prayer sincerely, um, and as it always does anyways. Um, thank God for another opportunity to be because it truly does take effort, and as scripture says, a striving. And Jude says, contend earnestly for the faith. It takes a contention to get the things that are hidden right all these things are in christ they are revealed in the word but you see it takes a it takes effort to actually dig them out it is the glory of god to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to search them out now god is not concealing it because he doesn't want you to know no it's he's obviously concealed in the word but it's concealed so that in your striving as you are working towards adding that knowledge a lot of things are happening as you strive 
your faith is being built up your faith is being firmed up there's something we're praying in the leadership like i think for the most part of this past week that our faith should not be aborted that our faith should be firmed up and that only happens as we stay striving in the word right because the thing so it's like this think about it like this jesus said him that is forgiven much loves much that's when it was in the house of simon the leader of um, one of the pharisees right and the woman came and anointed him and everybody was angry like why is she why is she doing this and someone even there said if this man truly is a prophet of god then he would know that this woman who is anointing his feet is a sinner and should not allow her to do that to his feet then he turned to simon and said simon let me ask you a question he asked him a question and said if same thing we have with the merciful servant that parable right it was like so two people owe a master right and the master forgave one the one million and then the other one 100 naira he says who do you think will love that master more Simon was like i perceive i believe it's the one that was forgiving more right because he had bigger debts now said that's it he said you have spoken well that is the truth he told the woman eventually your sins are forgiven right now where am i going with all this in the striving as we apply efforts to understand to know what god's will is a lot gets added to us as a result of that striving in fact a lot gets also taken out from us right so today if i want to give the teaching a topic online when i was studying this is the one thing that just kept coming to my heart which is god's will right and we're going to focus on one specific will of god your sanctification right there are many wills of god god wills many things many many things right and as you search the word you will find it you see in uh, 2 peter 3 9 it says god is not slack concerning his promises right what is his will in that place the, the revealed will in that place is specifically your repentance first Timothy 2 verse 2 same thing the revealed will of god there is repentance right jesus speaks the word says you are my friends if you obey my commandments what is god's will there that you obey right so you see if you go through scriptures you will understand or see many things now i know a lot of times when we think about god's will we like to perceive it like um a revelation maybe in dream or you know ah i was sitting down on my chair and then i just i don't know whether i was dreaming i wasn't dreaming and i saw a sheet from heaven and meat came down god said kill and eat right we all expect it to be something like that and yes it's yes it definitely can be that it definitely can be that because the holy spirit is very very involved in the lives of the believers remember sister Rita's testimony some time ago right she wanted to enter a bus and something just something indicated in her spirit that no don't and then she stepped back yes that is god that is god revealing by his spirit what she should do at the time if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit if you walk in the spirit you will not gratify the desires of the flesh galatians 5 16 and then 25 as well so there is that but i want to keep it simple right it is usually best to start from what is clearly revealed first 
before you go to the one that the Holy Spirit gives to you. Why? You are safer because when that one that is revealed by the Holy Spirit comes, you are able to test it. Because, okay, think about it like this. God says, submitting to one another in love. Right? Or let's even use a very simple one. God says, speaking the truth to one another. Right? So what is the will of God? That you lie not. Now, if after you know that God's will is that you should not lie, and then you go and lie, how can you judge an impression in your spirit? Can you, are you actually sure it's actually the Holy Spirit self? Because, let's, let's look at it like this. Yesterday I said there are two kinds of people or two groups of people in the world, right? Saved, unsaved. Right? As far as God is concerned, that's all he sees. Saved, believes in Christ, has been washed, now is a candidate or a family, a member of the family of God, right? Both named in heaven and on earth. Yeah, hallelujah, glory to God. Whether Jew or Gentile, they are now one. The middle wall of partition has been taken away. Hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to God. And then the other group. In the other group, there are multiple people. There are the people who know. They know they are going to hellfire. They agree with the devil that they are going to hellfire and they are happy. And then there is another group inside of there that, no, I'm not going to hellfire. I'm saved. I believe in Jesus. Inside of that group. The self-deceived. Pirich taught us last Sunday, let no man deceive you. Those people are deceiving themselves. They think they are of him, but they are not. So, what do you think those group of people, when they feel an impression in their hearts, who do you think is coming from? Even the one self that is saved, gone, the thing he feels in his heart, self, sometimes you have to test it. Then what about the one that is not even in God? So, it's usually very safe to first grow in our experience by following the revealed will of God. They clearly revealed one, the one that is in literally black and white that you can clearly see in your Bible versus waiting for some vision or prophetic utterance or something. Now, I'm not saying those are bad. Oh, no, 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 no. Despise not prophet signs. Quench not the spirit. No. They are perfectly correct. But you see, there is safety when you do things God's way. Now, within the context of the church now, let's assume Pastor Amos is ministering. And a prophetic utterance comes from either Pastor Amos or someone in the church here. You know as it comes, it gets tested literally on the spot. So which means if it's for you, you are guaranteed that it's safe, right? Now, can you have, or do you have the same guarantee if someone on the road now comes to you and says, Ah, Sister Reti, I'm a prophet. He's wearing white and white or whatever it is he's wearing. And he says, this is God's word for me. That you should not buy tomato today. Now, could God say something like that? Yes, it's possible. But to know if it is God, you need to test the spirit. How do you test it? by the revealed will of God. It's just that simple. So if the revealed will of God is not in you already, what then do you have 
to test every spirit. Nothing. So which means, just like it says in Ephesians 4, there will be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. When he says they are children, do you clearly realize there that those children are actually children of God? Sadly, they are still immature. But they are children of God. So which means a child of God can be deceived. They can be tossed around. Why? Because they don't have a full understanding or they've not come to fully acknowledge what the revealed will of God is so that they may test whatever those doctrines are. Does everyone follow? Because if you can't test... Okay, so something funny has been happening actually the last couple of weeks. So um, let me just touch upon it small. So, so Brotini has helped me quite a lot recently. And he's made me question my faith in one direction. So it's not question my faith like am I saved? No, it's not that type. Right? It's a questioning of faith of do you actually believe God? Now, okay, so bear with me, oh, bear with me, bear with me, bear with me. Remember the example I used yesterday, right? Christ was walking on the water and Peter was like, ah, Lord, if it's actually you, tell me to come. And what did Jesus say? Jesus' simple answer to him was, come. I'm sure someone in his mind would be like, at that time, you know. <laughs> so Peter came. And I'm sure at that point, Peter was burning with fire like, ah, yes, my Lord told me to come. I will walk on water. Hallelujah. But, when uncle saw waves, wow. In his mind, I'm sure at that point, he was like, ah, I will die today. I am dead. In fact, he said, I am dead. And then he started sinking. Why? Doubt rose up in his heart. Why? Peter was still immature at that time, obviously. Right? That was the same Peter that went to a man boldly and looked at him. He says, look up. Look upon us. Same Peter. And said, we don't have money. Rise up. Ah. And the man stood up. And people were shocked like, ah, what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? And he's like, why are you looking like it's, a, it's, it's some, some sort of something strange? No. Jesus. The same Peter. Same guy. Like, it's not a different human being. Same person. What's the difference between the two? He had gotten soaked in the true knowledge of the one in whom he believed. So that he truly believed what he said he believed. And his proclamation matched what he claimed he believed. Why? He knew the will of God. That is why the same apostle Peter, Paul, who like Gragra, challenged him. You see in Galatians 1. Challenged him like, Peter, you are a hypocrite. Ah! That's in Peter. Later on said, our beloved brother, Paul. No beef. Yeah, but I'm going to use the word beef actually. So it's not really English. But no beef. He wasn't angry. He wasn't offended. He said, our beloved brother, Paul has said in all his letters that some people have misquoted as they do other scriptures because Paul wrote things that were hard to understand. Now, let's start off from where we, from our prayers yesterday. And that's why I'm really, really happy for both the Bible reading and uh, Brokosmos' um, um, reading this morning. You know, 
Something we prayed about this morning. What is the purpose of understanding? Understanding helps you absorb knowledge. Right? That's the purpose of understanding. Right? It helps you absorb knowledge. So which means um, you teach a child you say, tell the child, I want to teach you algebra. Right? But prior to getting to algebra, you had already taught the child basic arithmetic. Right? So which means you taught the child 1 plus 1 is equal to 2. Right? 1 plus 2 is equal to 3. Now, in algebra, you end up replacing fixed values with variables. So I now say 1 plus A equals 3. So the child has to solve for A. Now, the child already knows 1 plus well, you can't add 1 to A, so A is an unknown value. So if I did 1 plus 2 is equal to 3, then the easiest way to get what the other value is is 3 minus 1, which makes A equals 2. What happened there? The child was able to go from something known to something unknown based on the understanding they have of the known things, right? So understanding helps you Permit me to use this phrase, make sense of knowledge. Right? The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let's start there. But, when it comes to spiritual things, in fact, let's even use the same example we used earlier. Now, a child knows 1 plus 2 is equal to 3. But if the child, in his mighty wisdom, decides to answer in the exam that 1 plus 2 is 7, what happens? It feels right. So which means understanding without obedience is emptiness. Whether you understand or not, yeah, it's fine. Did you obey? So this morning, you know, what matters isn't just understanding. We've prayed for understanding and I believe we have understanding. Right? Understanding of the Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that interprets the words we hear, everything we are taught, so that we know. So that we know. But it doesn't stop at knowing. Right? Let's read um, 1 John 2.17, sir. 1 John 2.17. <clears throat> And the world passeth away, and the lost thereof. So I know First John 2 is a popular chapter, right? If you don't know why it's popular, it's popular because that's where the Bible talks about all that is in the world is the love not the world, none of the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the Lord of the Father is not in him. That's actually what is in First John 2, right? So it's pretty popular. But this verse comes up... Exactly. So, so verse 17 is where we're going. It says, And the world passeth away. And the loss thereof. You see a colon there, which means it's about to expand on the thought. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So the one who has eternal life is the one who obeys. You obeyed when you repented. Step one. Now that you are in him, has his will ended? No. Does his will continue? Yes. What is his will? Let's start off. First Thessalonians 4, 1 to 5. 
That's our text. First Thessalonians 4, 1 to 5. I read. Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. Do you see what he just said here? He called them brethren first, indicating that they are saved. Right? So he's not writing to unbelievers. But then he goes further to say, there are some things we have told you that by doing, you will please God and we want you to do them more and more. Right? So that shows a change in degree towards obedience. Right? A change in how well they are obeying God over time. So it's a progressive thing, right? So the doing of the thing happens progressively. Verse 2. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. That's very explicit. Right? Literally says, okay, the things we told you, right? They are commandments of the Lord, right? For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification. Let's stop there first. Let's pause. How about... Brother Frank read earlier that Christ had made unto us righteousness, wisdom, and sanctification. Ah, which one is the sanctification again? Did you, did you catch what Brother Frank read? Did you catch it first? That's 1 Corinthians 1.30. It says, Christ has been made unto you righteousness. It's been made unto you wisdom. So you actually have the wisdom of God. You are actually righteous in God. In spite of your feelings. You are actually sanctified. You've been called out. Separate. Now part of a different set of people. But if he says you are sanctified, yeah, that's it. Why then is he saying God's will is that I should be sanctified? Has he not already sanctified me? Yes, he has. But now let me ask you this question. From the point you got saved, you felt whole, you felt happy, you felt joyful because now you are saved. The wrath of God doesn't abide on you anymore. You now have peace with God, Romans 5, 1, you know, hallelujah, hallelujah, glory to God. But can you say for a fact before God that you didn't do some things that you knew were sins? You didn't lie, not even once, like, no, since the day I gave my life to Christ, I've never lied. Are you sure? That, in fact, that's even a lie. God. <laughs> or since the day I gave my life to Christ, I've never gotten angry. Really? Me, I still got angry yesterday. But my anger has changed because normally if I get angry, I'll beat the person I was angry at. But I was angry and I just looked at him and I walked away. That's sanctification. Oh, you're laughing. Uh, is that. Uh, He's laughing. Is it true? It's sanctification. Right? Oh, you think I'm joking? Colossians 3 8. Colossians 3 8. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication. When you say, you know, obviously you've seen American movies, you know, all those, ah, yeah, yeah. You feel cool, right? Ah, filthy communication is there. It's on the list. 
right? Okay, let's say, okay, you are, I've never, no, I'm not a blasphemer, I, I love God, you know. And then all of a sudden, you were making a joke and you just did rababa, so takatatata. Really? Or, like, an example brought to me likes to use, something is happening, you just say, Jesus! Really? Thou shalt not put the name of the Lord thy God in vain. He just blasphemed. Look at verse 9. Lie not one to another. Ah, I'm five minutes away. Ah, oh God, you've not even left your house. I'm almost there. I'm sorry, I'm almost there. There's serious traffic. Oh God, I am looking outside. There's no traffic on my streets. And it's before your side. Ah. You're a child of God, though. <laughs> but, you see, this is the beauty of God. God is, God is merciful. Right? God is merciful. Let's go to 1 John 1, 9. We'll read from verse 9 into John 2. Right? 1 John 1, 9. Funny thing is, I didn't have these scriptures, but I think, yeah, this is how God will have us go. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John wasn't writing to unbelievers here. He was writing to children of God. So what are they confessing? <laughs> ah, but you're sanctified. How can one that is sanctified? Ah, ah, okay. Romans 6. Don't worry, let's not go there. Let's not go there. From Romans 6, Paul begins to touch upon the struggles one who is in the spirit has with the flesh. The struggles against the flesh. But you see, the beauty of it is he caps it off later on in 7 where he says, oh, this kind of miserable man that I am, I'm just paraphrasing, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He says, but oh, thanks be to God. He says, I will with my spirit serve God, but with my flesh. Now, he's not saying that he will sin. That's not what he was actually saying. He's just saying, take us back to, um, okay, I think we don't even need to go there. He's literally just echoing what he said in Galatians 2.20 slash 5.16 and 25. He was echoing the same thing. Galatians 2.20, let's really go to Galatians 2.20. We'll come back to First John one actually it says i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ liveth in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me galatians 5:25 sir usually whenever i read galatians 5:25 i like to put it side by side with 16 and i like to read 25 before i read 16 I don't know why Paul wrote it like that. <laughs> it makes more sense that way. Because look at what 25 says. So put 25 and 16 on the screen, and then I'll read 25 first, and then read 16 afterwards. And you see why it makes sense. Sir? You can't put 16 and, oh, it's too far apart, right? Okay, 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 okay. So 25 says, if we live in the Spirit. So the first question you need to answer is, do you live in the Spirit? Wait, I actually want an answer. Bro Bernard, do you live in the Spirit? The requirement for living in the Spirit is that you are saved. 
So you are already in spirit. Why? The spirit of God dwells in you. That's the requirement. So if you are saved, do you live in the spirit? Yes. But look at what it says next in the second part of 25. To the people that are already living in the spirit. He says, let us also walk in the spirit. Now this one seems like something that is your responsibility. Strange. But it doesn't end there. He says, let us also walk. Hmm. Okay, interesting. Let's go to 16 now. See what 16 says. This I say then. Walk in the spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the loss of the flesh. Ah, oh, that's what it means. I mean, ah, okay, 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 okay. So, which means, since I'm in the spirit, I need to walk by the spirit. And the instant I can walk by the spirit, I will overcome sin in my body. Oh, wow, glory. You see why it makes sense? Now, let's try to break it down. There are many times when, as children of God, we unconsciously actually walk in the spirit. Right? So, e.g., you are doing your Bible study. You actually, you're not really thinking about anything, but somehow you get an impression in your heart, like, ah, do this. Call this person. Say this thing. And you're like, okay. Ah, oh, happen. You call the person, and somehow things just move. Right? You just obeyed the leading of the Spirit. But have you noticed that when the day starts, a lot of time, you're not actually listening to what God says. We mostly don't consciously walk in the spirit. We tend to do it unconsciously a lot of times. But he's saying the way to live above sin is by walking in the spirit. So which means unless the only time there is no temptation for sin is Okay, what time of the day is that time? Actually, there's, there's no time of the day, <laughs> sadly. So, which means our goal and our desire should be to consciously walk in the spirit every time. So, let me give you a very good example that happened this week. So, I was in a walk call. And that was on Tuesday, Tuesday morning. I had, um, so there's a meeting called breakfast meeting. So, I had the meeting. And then I had to jump into another call with a few other people. They had already pissed me off during breakfast meeting. Right? I was angry, but I did not sin. I was angry and, and sin not. Oh, Garungi, they laughed me. <laughs> I was angry, but I did not sin. I just addressed the issue specifically and left it. Right? And as we were about going into the other call, I wanted to, so I was checking my heart to know if I should address the matter, but something in my spirit said, let it go. So I let it go, right? That was me consciously. During the meeting again, that second meeting, the same people that annoyed me in the first call tried to annoy me again. I wanted to touch upon it, but the spirit said, no. Because I was checking like, God, I need to deal with this thing. I'm like, no. I let the matter go. All I just said in my mind was, if they try it tomorrow, (laughs) Uh, you think I, I play? Now them your people, oh. <laughs> if they try it again tomorrow, that's what I just said. If they try it again tomorrow, I will deal with the issue. But you see, the beauty of it is, I don't know what God was. 
trying to do at that point. Maybe if I had addressed it, in which case I was right to address it if I actually did. But by not addressing it, or if I had addressed it, maybe it would have affected that person's motivation for the work. And that's obviously counterproductive. Right? So by not touching upon it, even though I had every right to do so, because I was actually asking God, should I do this? Like I was actively doing so at that time. Right? Now, am I able to do this every time? No. But I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to learn. Right? As we should, all of us. Right? You don't... It's not about where you are now. The question is, what are you striving for? And God tells you his desire for you. What he has commanded you is that you be sanctified. Now, if he has told you, be sanctified, the question you now need to ask and seek in the word is, how then can I be sanctified? And then obey. Let's read one more book of the Bible. First Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, he was saying this to Saul actually, hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Ooh, Ogarra can put this, this the next verse. He put it, no, no, it's fine, it's fine. I'm saying like, that, that verse is very strong. It's a very strong verse. It says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Now you might be wondering, ah, but how can stubbornness be idolatry? Now they are like, ah, ah, no, idolatry is like when I go and bow down before an idol and then, ah, but I didn't bow down before an idol. I was just stubborn to go against God's voice. Well, the idol actually is you. You exalted yourself above God. Oh, so you see, it's not so strange anymore, right? Like, ah, ah stubbornness, idolatry. Because thou has rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. So usually, whenever I read that 23, 23 is a very scary one. It's a very scary verse. Right? And I don't always like going to it, because, you know, to help your own heart. Right? <laughs> Avoid it small, then come back later. Right? So he's saying something as simple as rejecting God's voice. You are a witch. Am I? Is there now? It's not like I'm not going to say you are a witch. No, that's, that's it there. Let's sit in the NLT. Do we have NLT? 23. It says, Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness as bad as worshipping idols. So, if you stay in disobedience or in rebellion and God puts you and a witch side by side, it's the same judgment. Ah, but God, I did not look at crystal ball. I did not... Eh. Ah, but God, I did not bow down to idols like these bow worshippers. Look at them. Look at me. I'm holy Lord. Look at them. I'm better than all of them. Uh, you're like the Pharisee that went to the temple to pray and was saying, ah, God, I'm not like that publican. He's, he's, look at him. He's a sinner. He shouldn't even be looking up to Yusuf. But who did God forgive? Why? He acknowledged his state. Let's go back to 1 John 1. 
He says, if we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. So if you say you don't have any sin, you are telling God, God, you are a liar. And his word is not in us. Because his word has clearly said you are a sinner. And he called you and saved you from your sin. Let's go to the next one. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Remember, he was writing to believers here, right? So he's saying, don't sin. But if you do sin, Christ is there advocating for us. Right? There is this um, phrase you're about to like to use. Maria um, Nuba. Like, you, I've received mercy. Right? Why do you receive mercy? Because of Christ. But what that mercy does is it gives us opportunity to repent when we fall. That's the purpose of the mercy. Besides calling us out from sin, it also gives us opportunity to come before God. That's why Hebrews 4.16 Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly Onto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, one of the things the devil does when we sin is he makes us feel dirty. In which case, yes, you did get your garment stained. But do you even remember how you were before God saved you in the first place? You were dead. At least now you're even alive. So he now the devil now brings guilt to your heart to make you feel like ah, God can never hear you. You just lied. You are going to hell fire. Because you are, you are like your father, the devil, who is the father of lies and lies from the beginning and the truth is not in him. So you are like me. Let's go together. No, but what the Bible says here is come boldly. But the devil now, what he does is he makes you run away from the light. Because actually the funny thing is you're supposed to be going in the opposite direction, towards it versus away from it. But he makes you think that the right direction is away from God. And that's, there is danger there, actually. Now, the first thing I want to establish, especially when it comes to this issue of sanctification, is, you see, the reason why, when you are saved, many things you used to do before, if you make the mistake of doing them, or you do them intentionally, you feel dirty. The reason is because there's something inside you telling you that is no more your nature. That's why you feel that way, like, ah, I just like, ah, God, I'm sorry. Because something in you is indicating to you that you are not supposed to lie. The spirit in us bears witness with us that we are the children of God. So the spirit is telling you, no, you're not supposed to lie. Oh, no, you're not supposed to fight. And you just fought. You are the type that used to fight before. Everybody knows you. And then all of a sudden, you fought a little. Ah, and you're like, ah. You know what? I'm just walking away. And then you start feeling that unhappiness with your own self. That's not what the spirit was indicating. The spirit was indicating this is not your nature. Repent. That's why in Colossians 3 it says, Now, go away from these things as well. Anger, wrath, evil speakings. 
because this is how our sanctification progresses right now let's just get into it um let's read ezekiel 34 1 to 4 now i'm going somewhere now a lot of times when you know when when we talk about a process right so remember you have now christ has made for you sanctification right you are righteous in christ you are sanctified in christ in fact you have the wisdom of god because the spirit of god dwells in you right now the question then is okay since i know that even though i am saved because i am living in the body so i still have some limitations and there are still occasions where i sin but the bible has told me to come and repent come before him in repentance every time i see those things right now the question you probably want to ask yourself is okay how do i achieve this sanctification or how is this sanctification how does it happen for me right because everything of note that transforms something else has a medium there is a medium for the transformation right already from what i'm saying i believe a scripture has already entered your mind right there is a medium okay you want to make uh, so a child is having diarrhea the child has diarrhea you obviously want to get some electrolytes into them right what do you do, do you just pour salt in the child's mouth you obviously don't do that right you make a solution water becomes the medium that transports the electrolytes into the child's body right so the medium is water right you are breathing you're walking day by day day by day day by day so i learned recently that one of the reasons why it's good to breathe um, through the nose is because a lot happens when you breathe in through your nose the air that is that goes in goes into your sinuses and gets moisturized gets moisturized in your sinuses then goes to the lung moisturized air is easier to absorb than just dry air simple process of breathing what was the medium through your nose the air goes in the sinuses so there are actually a lot of holes inside of our skull in front the sinuses right gets moisturized goes to the lungs your body enjoys that oxygen right likewise with something spiritual there is a medium for our sanctification the thing that's what is sanctification first basically means like a separation right a separation but think about it as a separation unto purity for the purposes of service to god right separation unto because a person can be sanctified for service of baal yes by the killing of an animal sprinkling of their blood whatever it is they do cutting themselves they do all those things they were sanctifying themselves for that god but with our god the only true god in fact the only god final notes that there's no other god anyways there is a sanctification for him so we're just going to read this and we're going to paint a picture right that's something i'm learning paint a picture using the word right <laughs> paint a picture using the word so ezekiel 34 1 to 4 
And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy, say unto them, Thus said the Lord God unto the shepherds, Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? Ye eat the fats, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. Ooh. The diseased have ye not strengthened, neither have ye healed that which was sick, neither have ye bound up that which was broken, neither have ye brought again that which was driven away, neither have ye sought that which was lost, but with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. Now, God is angry at a group of people in this. He's angry at the shepherds. He's angry at them. Why? Because they have not cared for the flock. They have not bound those that are wounded. They've not searched for the lost ones. They've not cared for the sheep. Instead, they've just eaten and gotten full. Let's look at verse 10 and then 23 to 24. Verse 10 next. Thus said the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my flock at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves anymore, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. So these guys were eating the flock. 23, 24, sir. And I will set up one shepherd over them, and he shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. Who is a good shepherd? I'll say it with boldness now. Uh It's like you're not sure. And I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, a prince among them, I, the Lord, have spoken it. So we see here, I'm, I'm going towards something. Now, I've not yet shown you the medium per se, but I'm going towards it. So you see here that it's the job of shepherds to care for the sheep, to feed them, to bind up the ones that are broken, to search for the ones that are lost. That's generally the purpose of the shepherd, right? Okay. Let's look at um, John 21, 15 to 17. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yeah, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. Uh, where are we? Okay, so, okay. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. So, now we see a constant theme between these two stories. It's about feeding the flock, right? So the question is, what is this food? And what does this food do? So that's what we're going to explore. Let's look at First uh, John 1, 1-4. to So, we're, we're talking on the theme right now of the shepherds and feeding the, the flock. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that the eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. 
that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship is with the father and with his son jesus christ and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full now reading this you might think the theme has changed with regards to the shepherd feeding the flock but it actually hasn't let's look very quickly at john 10 11 to 15 I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus clearly telling us he's a good shepherd, which we saw in Ezekiel 34. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep, but he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine as the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's look at Acts 20, verse 26 to 31. Now, we're still talking about feeding the sheep, feeding the sheep, feeding the sheep, feeding the sheep. Right? Very soon we'll come to see what the food is. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. Okay. Let's start. Let's pause. So, in essence, the only situation under which you say your prayer from the blood of all men is either you were a murderer or you've killed people, right? So if you kill people, you spill blood, right? But if you've not killed people, you could say, I did not spill blood. My hands are clean of blood, right? So he's saying it's free from the blood of all men in that no man can take their death to be his responsibility, right? So let's, let's, let's just understand that. For I have not shown to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I have not shunned, I have not at any point held back in declaring God's will to you. Remember what we just read in 1 John 1? That which we have seen, which we have handled of the word of life, we are teaching you these things. We are writing these letters unto you to communicate these things to you. Because we've seen them counsel of God, right? Let's continue. <clears throat> Take it therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God which he had purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Remember what we just read in John 10? It says the hireling, the wolves come, the hireling runs away. So which means God has made some men overseers over his sheep to care for them to feed them but what are they feeding them with the word of god showing them what the counsel of god is right also of your own selves shall men arise speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them these are some of the wolves as well Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. Now, we can see a couple things from all the scriptures we've just read. Christ is the good shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. Right? He has set men as laborers in his vineyard to feed his flock. Right? Who are his sheep? us right everyone who is saved 
Now, he has said these men, and what are these men supposed to feed the flock with? The word of God. Now, why are they supposed to feed the flock with the word of God? Right? Why? The question is, why, 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 why? And why does knowing the whole counsel of God matter? I guess that's, that's, we can always start there. So he says, I'm not trying to declare you the whole counsel of God. Why does it matter? Like, can't I just, since I'm saved, like, I'm fine now. I can just, like, continue, right? So long as I don't sin. But you see, the funny thing is this. How do you know you're not sinning? If you don't know God's counsel, how do you know you are not sinning? It's like someone... um, Like, if I said <clears throat> to Bro Matthew, like, let's assume we just bought these drums. You know there's a manual, right? If I just tell you, come and assemble it. If you decided not to use the manual, you spend the whole day there, and you still have not done anything. Because it's a complicated piece. Right? If it were something simple, like, uh, what is this to assemble here? like a mic stand, you could still relatively figure it out. Like uh, this one, like something that can go to this side. You can still figure it out. But something is complicated. No. Need a manual, right? This is just a mechanical device that men have made. How complicated do you think a human being is? Or how complicated do you think life is? How many days have you even lived safe that you think you understand life? Let's look at a child. So there is this philosophy I live by, which is, if I give you a warning and I don't listen, I'll keep quiet. Why? It is the injury a child has that we used to get sense. Right? I tell the child. So there's this experience I had while growing up. So we used to live in um, Face My Face Gym. So there is this neighbor I had. So one day something happened. There was no light. You know this hurricane lamp we used to use? I don't know if some people still remember it. That you pour kerosene in and it has a glass, right? That you always have to replace the glass. It's only the glass that breaks. Nothing else on the body of that thing breaks. That thing will live for 25 years. And it's still there. It's the glass that you are changing. So, I told my wife, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't touch it. When nobody was looking, my wife went and touched it. We just said, ah! <laughs> we just looked. <laughs> His hand was burnt. Would you believe? The next day, someone brought lamp and put it. My wife ran away. Like, he doesn't want to get, like, don't even bring it near, like, don't bring it, I don't, don't, I, see, me and this thing can't be near each other. I was shocked that day. Because I was like, is this not this same boy that will be begging him? Now, because of ordinary small bones, it's not even like it's that bad, it's the glass he touched, it was very hot, sharp. And then he scouted his hand, just because of that small, this thing, and now running. But I learned something very important that day. When they say the rod will drive out madness from the heart of a child, yes. Because the pain reminds him of the experience. When you tell the child, ah, don't jump, don't jump, don't jump. The child in his heart thinks he's wiser than you. He thinks he knows more than you. That's because he feels, what do you know? I am sharp, I'm intelligent. But you who is an adult, you are looking at this thing. The way I'm looking at this thing, this thing is not balanced. I feel like it could break. There is always that possibility. And then all of a sudden, Bogada! 
You know what happens to that child? It has happened to my children. We're just going to sit down quietly. The next thing that happens after that, sleep. Why did that happen? But I told you not to jump. He won't even argue with you again. Because why? He's still not seeing pain on the head. Now, it sounds funny, right? How big is God? And God has told you. Speak the truth. And after encountering that truth, Pastor Amos calls you like, Ah, brother, you don't come to church. And then the first thing he now says, Ah, sir, I was weak. I was down. You were not down. You just slept. The only down you wear is on your bed. That's all. But you know you use the word down intentionally so that pastor will think that you were sick. And pastor will now say you are healed in Jesus' name. You two now say amen. Ah-ha! <laughs> you actually said amen. You said say, ah. mm. you said amen. Sickness will not catch you. <laughs> because that's a prayer in error. <laughs> so the point is, where, where am I going? The same way you know how much, like now for instance, you know, there's this adage they have that what an old man will see sitting down, a child will climb palm tree and he still can't see it. Sister Etis, or, or let's even use Mr. Frank's head. There are some things Mr. Frank will say now. Let's say to someone in his field who is getting started. You know, young people have energy. Ah, I'll get money here. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And Mr. Frank might say, ah, calm down. Um... The person, why, why tell him to calm down? I can't do it. You keep quiet. The person does it, fails. And then comes back and is like, ah, sir, I'm, um, I'm having some issues. And he's like, what's the issue? And asked the issue, he said, eh, that issue, gone, 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 gone. That's what I was trying to prevent you from. But this is how you, why did he say something like that? He has had such experiences in the past and has known how to navigate them. The difference is this. Our God is perfect. He says, Christ was tempted just like us we are in all points, yet without sin. So when Christ, you know, there's something uh, Job's friend said to him, I think it was Eliphaz or so. He was talking to Job. It's not in my notes, so it's fine. He said to him, he says, do you think, who is your righteousness for? You think it's for God? It's for you. He was trying to say, see, your righteousness does not do anything for God. It's for your own good. Do you think you add anything to God? Like, what, what can you give God that he doesn't already have? God is God, with or without you. So, in reality, you are the one who needs him. He doesn't need you. But in his mercy, he has chosen to save you. That's why Romans 8.32 says, if he did not spare his son, but willingly gave him up to die for you, how will he not also with him freely give you all things? He doesn't need you, yet he saved you. He loved you with an everlasting love and called you to be his own child. Now, if he has done all that to the point where he bruised his son, he literally says, he pleased him to bruise him for your sake. 
How can it please you to bruise your own son for the sake of someone? Because all your sins, that's in Isaiah 53, all your sins, all our iniquities were placed on him. And then all he says is, oh, my will for you is that you are sanctified. Then, if he says his will for us is that we are sanctified, just like you would speak with a child, does it not make sense that there is a reason why he has said so? There is definitely a reason behind him saying that. Right? We'll get to that shortly. So, we're asking a question now. Like, why does knowing the will of God matter? Let's start with what we read last. I think it's First John 1, 4. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. Remember what Brother Cosmos read earlier today? When you know the paths of life, you will see the pleasures at his right hand forevermore. Right? Next, I think we'll try and move faster. That's um, 10.50, okay. Let's read Jeremiah 3.15 to 18. This is another popular one. Jeremiah 3, 15 to 18. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And it shall come to pass. So remember, you've now been fed with knowledge. Right? And by the Spirit of God, you have understanding into the knowledge that was fed to you. So this is what happens next. And it shall come to pass, when ye be multiplied and increased in the land, in those days, said the Lord, ye shall say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord, neither shall it come to mind, neither shall they remember it, neither shall they visit it, neither shall that be done anymore. We're going to verse 18. And at that time they shall call Jerusalem throne of the Lord, and all the nations shall be gathered unto it to the name of the Lord to Jerusalem. Neither shall they walk anymore after the imagination of their evil hearts. So knowing the will of God having an understanding into the counsel of God helps you to somehow not walk according to the evil imaginations of the human heart Galatians 5.16 if you walk in the spirit you will not gratify the desires of the flesh right 18 in those days the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel and they shall come together out of the land of the north to the land that I have given for an inheritance unto your fathers. Now, is there an inheritance we have as saints? Brotimi has already answered it. But is everyone sure we have an inheritance? So, which means to enter into that inheritance is dependent on a few things. Being fed with knowledge, having understanding of that knowledge and walking according to it. Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8, sir. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Do you note the second sentence there? But thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Jump the comma. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written. 
Now, without the observing to do, this thing won't make any sense. Because remember, first Samuel fifteen twenty two that we read. You can make all the sacrifices you want to make. God doesn't care. What he wants is for you to hearken to his voice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So, you can come to church, roll on the ground, in fact, hit your head on the floor, hit your head on the ceiling, give all your money to church, build a house for church, build a church chalet, but if you don't obey God, it's pointless. It literally means nothing outside of obedience. Obedience is the starting point of everything. In fact, do you realize that your repentance, you actually repenting of your sins, you actually walked in obedience at that point. And in fact, because we know that you being saved had nothing to do with you but God's mercy called you that is why you believed it means it was actually God that made you obedient to believe it was the same God that made you obedient to repent now if the seed of obedience is already in you it's more a question of am I giving this seed enough sustenance so that it may produce that's the question because already that you are saved already shows that there is a seed of obedience in you. A seed that was put there not by your own works, not by anything you have done, but by God's mercy. So if the seed is there, it's on you to feed it. Let's look quickly at... Um, let's see, let's see... Let's look at um, two, no, Second Peter one. From verse five. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Who is adding? What is the source of the adding? Can anyone answer? What is adding or what is the source through which you are adding those things? The virtue, the knowledge, temperance. Can someone answer? It's a very simple answer actually. Sir. Jesus said something. <clears throat> we don't need to turn there. Um... Let me see. Um, I think it's John 17. It says, you are, I think it's John 15.3 actually. John 15.3. Sir, you can go there. John 15.3. Yeah, John 15.3. It says, now ye are clean. Ye are washed. Ye are sanctified. Through the words, you are cleansed and pruned already. Because the word which I have given you, the teachings I have discussed with you. So what washes us? The word. So which means 
as a child of God, it is for your own benefit that you read the Bible. Because therein is the counsel of God revealed. Therein is the will of God revealed. If you don't have anything of God's word on your inside, you can't truly walk well as a believer. It's going to be hard. Very hard, in fact. Because you will struggle. Let's go back to 2 Peter 1. There's a place I'm going to. I think it's around verse 11. Okay. Verse 9, actually. Verse 9. Okay, let's start do 8 and 9. 8 and 9. It says, So, having added all those things to yourself by the word of God, if these things be in you and abound, what does abound mean? It means the thing is in surplus. It's really flowing inside of you. So, which means having temperance so that I don't, I might get angry, but I don't explode like I used to day by day. I might feel offended, but I don't hold it against that person like I would before. Um, I might be angry, but I won't speak harsh words to the other person. Now, speaking harsh words doesn't mean you are not truthful and direct. It just means you are not saying things to break or destroy the person's spirit. Right? You're not insulting the person. You're a fool. You're an idiot. No, you're not doing all that. You're like, this thing wasn't supposed to be like this. So there's a righteous one and then there's an unrighteous one, right? So I'm just trying to highlight that. It's not wrong to point out when someone does something wrong, right? But there is a way you do it. Even the Bible clearly tells us when Paul was writing to Timothy that for the older people, when you chastise them, chastise the older men as you would chastise your father. The older women, like you would chastise your mother. So the way I would, in fact, if I were to chastise the brother Remy, I would chastise him like he's my sibling. Right? So the same way I won't start insulting my brother. I have no right to do so as a child of God. Right? Now, let's continue. He says, They make you that ye shall neither be barren nor fruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So having these things in us helps us to be fruitful. Remember the parable of the sower? Right? He sowed some, produced 30 fold, some 60, some 100. But the point is, it produced. But that's still way better than the soil that did not produce anything. Right? Look at the verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind. And cannot see afar off. And has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. So, if as a child of God, the only days you read the Bible, or let me say, the only day you bring Bible or hold a Bible is on Sunday. You're not a sinner, but you're at risk. You're at serious risk. A risk of falling away. Because then you would be immature. And what happens to the immature? They are tossed to and fro. They are unable to test every spirit and can thus be carried away. And the seducing spirits in these last times, sincerely, they are seducing. There are things, things you have never questioned. And then the first thing it causes you to do is question whether or not you truly believe God. 
because it's not going to be the voice of God versus the voice of the world. Now, let's look at um, Philippians 1. We'll read 10 and 11. I'll try to be faster so that I can make good time. That ye may approve the things that are excellent, that ye may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. What does being without offense mean? It means that you, are, you, do, you don't fall away. Right? That's simply what it indicates. You don't fall away. You, you are not soiled. You are clean. You are, you are blameless. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and the praise of God. Let's read 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Sir. But we all with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. We are changed by the Word. Romans 12, 2, sir. And be not conformed to this world. Colon. Expanding on that thought. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You prove what the perfect will of God is for you by being transformed in the word. Because the will is revealed in the word. It's not outside of it. If someone comes to you and tells you, oh no, I can give you John 22 to read, run away. There is no will of God inside you because there is no John 22. Right? I know some people are confused, like, ah, there's John, John, John ends at 21. Right? Um, next. I'm going to go back to what I started off with um, earlier on, where. We, when, when the word or this phrase, the will of God, is said, people always make it look big, like it's unattainable, right? Because when someone says, ah, Bro Victor, do you know the will of God? A Bro Victor might say, ah, I don't know, I don't know, right? Because Bro Victor is thinking, he's talking about, ah, has God revealed to you? Is it? No. Does Brother know the will of God? Yes. Why? He has the Bible. And the person might now come and say, Ah, no, I'm talking about prophecy. Wait. Relax. Question that person's faith first. Does the person even know God to believe that the will of God is only by revelation? And in fact, what is revelation? Revelation only means an opening of knowledge or understanding to something that was previously hidden. Now, was it hidden because it wasn't written? No, it was hidden because you did not know. Exactly. You did not search. But from the day you search and see and come to an understanding, you have, been, you have received a revelation. So these things are not big. So if I ask Brahmati today, Brahmati, do you know what God's will for you is? Oh, yes. God's will for me is that I be sanctified. Hallelujah. God's will is for me that I speak, I speak the words of God. God's will is for me that I have the ministry of reconciliation and I go out. Yes, that's God's will too. All those things are God's will. 
What else is God's will? Oh, I know the thought that he thinks towards me. Thoughts so good, not of evil. To give me an end and expectation. Ah, yes, that's also the will of God. Another will of God. I have been young, now I'm old, I've never seen the righteous forsaking, nor his seed beg bread. The will of God. All these things are God's will for you. And I think it is safe as believers to walk according to this revealed will so that when, as we grow in these things, God definitely will speak. To, in fact, even as you are reading the Bible, he's speaking to your heart already. So that we may be able to judge these things rightly. Philippians 1 read, that I may approve, that ye may approve the things that are excellent. It means that there are many things. Some good, some bad. Even in the good, there are grades to good. There is good, there is better, there is best. You may approve the actual one that God would have you do at that point in time. There is a story in Deuteronomy 1. You don't need to go there. A very strange thing. You see the actual full story in Numbers 14. God told the Israelites, go and conquer this land. You can go read it later. Deuteronomy 1. Moses came and told the Israelites, ah, God says we should go and conquer. They said, ah, Moses, wait, 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 wait. Let's send um, people to go and check the land out. Moses said, okay, it's good. Oh yeah, one person per tribe, right? Oh yeah, if you go and check the land. They went and checked the land. They came back. Two came and said, ten were shouting, ah, these people are giants. Their walls are entering heaven. Ah, we can't beat them. We are like ants before them. Joshua and Caleb said, in spite of this, we are able to take the land. Let us go. Our God will fight for us. But what Moses described next was the heart of all the people turned against God and they said they are not going. Do you know what happened next? God sent a plague that killed people. All those people died, excluding Joshua and Caleb. Do you know what happened next? Very strangely. The Israelites now came and said, Ah, we have sinned against God. God, we are sorry. We will go now and fight them. You know what God told them? Don't go. Do you know what they did? Who can guess what they did? They went, right? And they were killed. Moses said, God has said, don't go. If you go, he says, I am not among you. If you go, these people will chase you like bees are chasing you. They were all killed. Now look at the funny story here. God said, go. They said, they won't go. They died. They repented, right? Should they have stopped there and said, okay, God, what will you now have us do? Did not say, God, what will you have us do? Okay, God, that first instruction he gave us, we want to go and do it now. He said, God said, no, I've rescinded the instruction, don't go again. They said, no, we will go. I know you are la- everybody's laughing in their mind like, ah, yes, now, ah, those people are very stubborn, stiff-necked people, stiff-necked people. Us too, we are stiff-necked. How many instructions have you received of God that you disobeyed? You think you are different from them? So, again, back to the previous example I gave. Ah, I'm five minutes away. Ah, yes, yes, there's traffic. Oh, God, there's no traffic here. Don't worry, it's not your own area that there's traffic. It's the place before your area that there's traffic. But you know God says you shouldn't lie. And in fact, while you are telling that lie, the Holy Spirit is inside of you saying, ah, ah, no, 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 don't say that, don't say that, don't say that, don't say that word, don't say that word. But you're like, don't worry. I'll ask, for, exactly, I'll ask for forgiveness later, Lord, you understand. You ask for forgiveness later. There is no difference between you and the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 1. So it's not even far-fetched. 
Many of us do it every day. Now, God's mercy abounds. God's mercy abounds. Let's see Ephesians 1. And let's, let's start from 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21. 2 Peter 1, 20 to 21. Now, everything I'm trying to do is I'm trying to draw parallels between examples from scriptures and our lives so that these things can be very practical in our minds. Right? Knowing this first, I know prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What does that mean? That means all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable to correct for instruction. That's what he's saying. Which means everything in scripture is there because God said it. Or rather, God allowed the writer pen it down. Not because the man want. In fact, God willed the man to want to do it. Right? God willed them. God moved them by the Holy Spirit. Let's now move to Ephesians 1, 15 to, 15 to 7, 19 actually. We read this yesterday, actually, while praying. You know, we glossed over the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Right? Wherefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Remember, I talked about our inheritance, right? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, what who believe according to the working of his mighty power? There is an inheritance for the saints. But to get into that inheritance, there is a way we must be. Remember the parable of the marriage supper? where the guy came in with um, the wrong dress, right? What did the master do? He says, throw him into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. So which means you can't come anyhow. You have to come in the right clothing. And this reminds me of um, a prophecy, I think it's in Zechariah, um, where I think Zechariah saw a vision I can't remember what book in Zechariah, where Joshua's garment was stained. Um, Zechariah 2, right? 3. Zechariah 3. Okay. So the Joshua here is not the Joshua of um, Moses. It's a different Joshua. He he was a priest at the time. So you can see it in the book of Nehemiah. Now Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and stood before the angel. The priest himself didn't even know he was clothed in dirty garments. But the beauty of it is, see what happens next. <laughs> and he answered and spake unto him, that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with the change of raiment. The filthy garment was what? Sin. Sin corrupts. Sin 
is pervasive. But you see, God never says, okay, I'll forget the sin and ignore it. No. He says, I will forgive the sin and change your garment so that you are what? Clean. God doesn't overlook it. He washes it. That's what we see in 1 Corinthians 1.30. The reason why Christ has become unto you sanctification is that by believing in him, you are now washed by his blood and are cleansed and made clean before God. You are thus righteous and sanctified already. But, now that you are wearing the new garment, your requirement is that from Romans 12 to, you be transformed day by day. 1 Corinthians 3, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Now you be transformed as you behold the word of God. As you behold more and more, you are being changed, you are being cleaned. It is the words of God that clean us. John 15, 3. You are cleaned by the words that I speak unto you the word sanctifies us how does the word sanctify us the word comes and when understanding settles in our hearts it makes us know what is good what is not good so that we're able to approve the things that are excellent but you see the requirement first is that the seed of obedience be planted in us we repent now that we are cleaned we've been given a new garment like Zechariah there but we must now remain in his will what is his will that you do this you do this you do this you do this how do you know what this is the bible figuring out the this is where your own work as a believer comes um okay um There is this, uh, let's read Romans 10, 14. I will try and close shortly. Romans 10, 14. Romans, Romans 10, 14, sir. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? Next, sir. I'm going somewhere specifically. You will all catch it when we get there. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do we please God? The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is faith? Taking God's word, believing it, and obeying it. How did Abraham prove his faith? By walking. Abraham, against hope, believed in hope. And it was counted unto him for what? Righteousness. Why? Because God said, and he what? did now the did there is not god didn't it is abraham didn't what god said sorry yeah it's fine yeah abraham doing what god said promise me sorry <laughs> so abraham doing what god said let's see hebrews 4 1 to 2 now this one is something again to encourage us as christians 
Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, the inheritance, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. What's happening here? Think back to Israel in the desert, in the wilderness. Did God give all of them instructions? Why did some enter and some did not enter? In fact, God swore that they will not enter. In fact, Moses was feeling so unhappy by chapter 2 of Deuteronomy when he was like, because of you people, God said I will also not see it. Now, he wasn't angry. I'm sure, you know, Moses is a meek man. He was just sad. Because they offended God so much that he chastised them in his own understanding. And God said, who gave you the right to do that? So even Moses, as meek as he was, does not meet up to the standard of God's righteousness in himself. It is God who imputes. So even the righteousness you have now, is not because you are perfect. You can't be. But God has imputed it to you. And as you consistently obey, he keeps washing you, cleaning you up. That's all God desires. That you be. Um, okay, let's do. Okay, we read this already. Let's read. I think we're done actually. Let's read Jude 1 and I'll start closing. Jude 1 24 25. I think we're done. I have some other things in my notes, but I think we're done at this point. We'll read this and then I'll read my the closing verse I have. Jude 1, 24 to 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. He is the one who is able to keep us from falling. But you see, the keep us from falling isn't that if we decide we want to fall, he will stop us. No. It is his instructions and the paths of life. He gives them to us. But it is us that must keep it ever before our eyes that we may observe to do it. And in doing so, are sanctified. In being sanctified and the things abounding in us, we are able to stand. Because if we do the opposite, then we are blind. And have forgotten that God has washed us from our sins. Now, I'll close with this. Deuteronomy 4, 1-9, sir. Now, therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes. I think if, if you don't read Deuteronomy, you should actually just find time to try reading it. It's a beautiful book. Now, therefore, hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you. The judgments there are the counsel of God. Right? That's the counsel of God. All the things God has said that I have now communicated to you in God's place as your shepherd. 
right? That's what Moses was basically saying there. Which I teach you because, you see, he taught them. For to do them, he didn't teach you so that you just know it. He taught you so that you do them. That ye may live. If you don't do them, you will die. Not here, but when the master comes and your garment is not the right garment, what happens? Outer darkness. That's, and go in and possess the land which the Lord, your, the God of your fathers, giveth you. What land is God giving us? There is actually a land we are looking forward to, just like it says in Hebrews. Abraham looked for a place whose maker and builder, a city whose maker and builder is not man, but God. We are also going to a place whose maker and builder is God. Christ said, I go to my father. Right? He says, he is going to build you mansion. Brother Timmy said, where would this mansion be? <laughs> the conversation we were having the other day. Right? He says, if it were not so, I will tell you so. Can God lie? Funny thing is, I had a conversation with my wife. I said, you see, when the Bible says by two immutable things, it was impossible for God to lie. See, God did two things. First, God cannot lie. So he gave Abraham a promise. That is already sufficient enough. But so that he will use two witnesses, he made an oath. Already he cannot lie. So there was no need for the oath. But he decided to give the oath as well. And just like that, God also made an oath upon Christ that he would be the first among many brethren and that us, or through him, we will have peace and be cleaned. Now, God made an oath for Christ's sake, or rather, for our sake, through Christ. Can God lie? No. Has he promised? Yes. So, should we doubt him? No. Let's continue. Oh, exactly. Beautiful. Oh, we'll come back to... <laughs> Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of our pure... For all the men that followed by pure, the Lord thy God had destroyed them from among you. Now, watch this. In the church in the wilderness, some people were carried away by doctrines of devils. What did God do? Destroy them. The present church of Christ. If men are carried away by doctrine of devils, what do you think God will do? The judgment is the same. God does not change. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you this day. Wow. Those that cleave to the Lord will see life. Remember what we read in 1 John 2, uh, verse 17. Sir? Yeah, you abide forever. Because what? You do the will of the Lord. Verse 5. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgment. Behold, I have given you the counsel. I have not shown to declare unto you the whole counsel of God, and I am free from the blood of all men. Even as the Lord my God commanded me, that ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations. Wow. 2 Corinthians 2.14. Thanks be to God. 
who always causes us to triumph and through us diffuse the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. John, I think it's John 5, 16 or 17. Ye are the light of the world. So he's saying here that by the commandments of God which you now understand and will obey, if you obey them, you are showing the understanding and wisdom of God. Which shall hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. You are wise and understanding just like Matthew 7, 24. It says, he that hears my words and do them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. Okay, verse 8. Oh, 7. Okay. For what nation is there so great? Who hath God so nigh unto them? You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. It can't be nearer than that. Okay. If something is outside you, that's close, right? Even if you hug the person and hold the person, it's close. But he lives inside. He is literally because he's on your inside. So he's saying, is there a nation? Is there a people that have God so close to them? Already we're talking about the will of God. We know that God reveals his will even in our spirits, right? And we know that he's revealed it in the world. So unlike the world, you're not confused. When you go out and people are fighting and struggling, and something in your spirit just says, no, calm down, calm down. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And you listen and you just stop. And everybody says, ah, you don't have sense. You're not sharp, you're not sharp, you're not sharp. And you keep quiet. They struggle, 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 struggle. And you just walk into the thing. And you're like, ah, show us the way. You are confused yourself because, ah, I don't, God, that's it. What nation is there so great? Who had and don't miss the fact that I called you a great nation. Don't miss that fact. Don't, like, don't miss it. Who had God so nigh unto them, as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon Him for? Wow. And what nation is there so great that had statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law which I said before you this day? So mark this. The laws of God are right. The laws of God are just. They are righteous all together. Perfecting what? Perfecting the man. Perfecting us. Only take heed to thyself. You see the warning here. And keep thy soul diligently. Oh, strive. Lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen. Lest you forget the testimonies of God. Lest you forget what he has said. Lest you forget what his will is. And turn away from it. Unless they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. Now, what's the summary here? Summary is this. When we think about the will of God, let's not consider it as something big and unattainable. In fact, the will of God is readily available for every believer in the Bible. 
Now, is there a will of God that he reveals as we go along? Yes. By his spirit, yes. But you see, you need to also have been soaked first in the clearly revealed will of God and his counsel in the things you should do now that you are saved. So that you may be able with those things to judge the things that are revealed so that you may know if truly they are from God. So in summary, we all know where to find the will of God. I won't say we all know the will of God, but we know where to find it. So if there is anything I want us to take away from church today, it's this. First, ask yourself, are you God's child? If the answer is no, repent and come to God. If the answer is yes, walk in the Spirit. How can you walk in the Spirit? Well, take time to know what God's will is. Obey the will of God. Because it's in obeying that you are blessed. Let's quickly read, um, lastly, um, James 1.19. I think. No, 21. 21. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word the understanding of the holy one comes through the knowledge of him as the knowledge enters you and the holy spirit helps your spirit make sense of it it is actually carved into you it is engrafted it is embossed like the word Abramati used it has been made a part of you but, but, it is on you to decide whether or not you obey it. May God help and strengthen us. Amen.